This podcast is brought to you by High Five Tom, a proud family member of Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. And honored to be part of The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of The Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Well, what up, High Fivers? Uh, it's your boy, High Five Tom. Uh, surprise, surprise, uh, as, as this is marking out with High Five Tom. Uh, but we've got another watch-along bonus here. Uh, but I did bring in a um, Ring of Honor expert, someone I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a long, long time. Uh, and and on, we'll, as we'll discuss here a little bit later, uh, you know, this is something we've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, but Mr. Kyle K. Sparks, my friend, how are you this evening? Uh, doing great. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Always, uh, always glad to talk Ring of Honor and especially uh, our subject today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we are going over uh, Punk and Joe one. Um, but listen, you're like, oh boy, real original. No one else has done that recently. Uh, Kyle and I have literally been talking about doing this uh, for well over a year. Uh, but anyone that listened to my recent mental health episode uh, knows I can be pretty fucking flaky. Uh, so, Kyle, thank you for your stick to Um, And I appreciate you hanging in there. And, uh, you know, we didn't time this very well, but uh, this is something that needs to be done. And I've been, you know, I've been wanting to do it with you for a long, long time. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm just glad, for, like I said, glad for the opportunity. Glad we're getting it, uh, getting it going and uh, I'm ready to go. Yeah, for sure. And uh, listen, real quick before, um, I do want to shout out our good friend, uh, Kate the Great, over uh, at Fightful. Uh, they did do a watch along of this match themselves on Saturday. Uh, so I will put the link under that. So I definitely recommend people listen uh, and go watch out that. Obviously, those um, Kate is how Kyle and I met, um, obviously through Twitter. But Kyle and I actually have interacted in the real life. Um, but yeah, Kyle, is there anything else here you want to put over here real quick before we hit the start button? Uh, just that, uh, in addition to, I know you're working on uh, ROH Revelry with, uh, with the Shining Wizards folks and doing great stuff there. Uh, I am also doing a, uh, live Ring of Honor on Honor Club post show on Love Wrestling. Myself and, uh, Robert DeFelice are co-hosting that. And, uh, uh, when the fantastic Kylie Fuller gets back from her sabbatical, she will also be in play. It'll be a three-person team doing that. Myself, Kylie, and Robert DeFelice. It'll be a blast. Uh, that's every Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern on Love Wrestling, uh, nice. usually on their Twitch. Uh, if, we, if we do if we do switch over to their YouTube, then we'll probably post something on that. But otherwise, yeah, follow me at Kyle K Sparks on Twitter and let's talk some ROH. Yeah, and I will definitely put all uh, the links to all that and in, uh, in the show notes and everything. And I do want to put over real quick, um, Kyle and uh, Kylie did um, an awesome couple series with uh, Carrie Silken. Uh, earlier on in their podcast career before Ring of Honor kind of had the, the the rug put out from under you guys. But those those conversations with Carrie were awesome. I really enjoyed those. So, 
Uh, Carrie was a blast, a wonder, wonderful human being, a uh, great interview. Uh, is always going to tell it like it is. Great guy. Love him. Yeah. And listen, if there's one person, I mean, Carrie Silken is, I mean, I think he's more synonymous with Ring of Honor than Paul Heyman is with ECW. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Paul Heyman kept ECW with, uh, you know, st- you know, bubble gum and, and duct tape, but Carrie Silken did it too for the longest time. So shout out to that guy. So. Absolutely. And he w- he is not shy about saying that ROH lost money for, for a long time. I wonder, <laughs> did they ever make money? You think? I think they, I think, I think once the HD net deal kicked in, I think once uh, the Sinclair buyout happened, I think they turned prop started turning a profit there. But in a lot of the early years, there was, they were not making money. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you want to hear more about that, but yeah, definitely tune in um, when Kyle, Kyle and Kylie uh, were doing uh, that stuff. So that was a, a great time. So, um, but we're going to hit play here. So we are watching this on the YouTube machine. Um, so if you want to hit follow, I will put the link for that. But Kyle, we'll just hit, uh, hit the start button here in three, two, one. The Shining Wizards is the greatest wrestling podcast of all time. Don't believe me? Tune in and check us out. We laugh. We cry. We interview some of the greatest people in professional wrestling. And we have some of the greatest segments of all time, including everyone's favorite wrestling game show, Can You Beat That? We're live 6.50 p.m. East on Monday night on all social media platforms. And we're with you wherever you go on every single streaming and podcasting platform as well. Check us out. Go over to ShiningWizards.com and join us for some wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly, available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less.
What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. If you like your music heavy, then check out Radioactive Metal on the Shining Wizards Network. For over 16 years now, Radioactive Metal has been one of the longest-running podcasts. Over the years, we've interviewed some legendary metal acts, had some awesome discussions, and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes. So join your cool Uncle Snowy and his co-host Aaron for the audio mosh pit that is Radioactive Metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Um, some nice clips of Punk and Joe brutalizing each other right off the bat. Ah, uh, come on, skip ads. Okay, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> you got monetized. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I uh, just I'm at twenty three four okay. five seconds. Punk making his entrance right now. In that jacket that some folks might recognize from uh, a version of it from his mat from his dog collar match with MJF, he had something very similar because we were hearkening back to those Ring of Honor days and the okay. classic red basketball shorts. Okay, so yeah, basketball I'm at, shorts, punk. I'm at 40, 48 seconds right now. Yeah, bump it up about five seconds. You'll be good to go. Okay, and. Oh. Uh, as as we went into this, you see Punk's got a belt on his around his waist as well. Punk and Colt Cabana had just won the ROH tag titles uh, one month prior at Round Robin Challenge Three. Uh, with it, with uh, this one was with the ROH tag titles on the line with Punk and Cabana, uh, the Briscoes, and oh gosh, who, uh, Dan Moff and BJ Whitmer. Oh really. And each team met, met the other two teams over the course of, of the night. And each time, if the belts, if the champions were involved, the belts were on the line. And the belts changed hands, I believe, two, maybe three times that night. Yeah. Before Punk and Cabana wound up leaving with them. Uh, so, so funny uh, story about Dan Moff real quick. Um, I'm pretty new to Twitter. I didn't come onto Twitter till 2020, maybe 2021. Uh, but Dan Moff was the first person to follow me at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and there's and there's Samoa Joe. Joe has already been champion for almost 15 months at this point. God. And uh, this was this was only their second stop in Dayton. 
the last, the first show they did in Dayton was uh, ROH's Wrath of the Racket in August of 2003. Main evented by AJ Styles and Homicide defending the tag titles against the prophecy of Christopher Daniels and Dan Moff. Uh, earlier in the card, Samoa Joe uh, defended the title against BJ Whitmer. CM Punk was not actually on the card, although Ace Steel and Colt Cabana did beat Alex Shelley and Jimmy Jacobs. Nice. Prior to that, that was the last. Prior to that, that was the last time that ROH had run Dayton, and so now we're back. Uh, this was the. Uh, it's also easy to forget. This was ROH had only seriously begun touring outside of Pennsylvania just only about a year before this. They had they were still not a very serious touring company at this point. Yeah, and but, uh, after this, definitely seems like Dayton was uh, pretty much a hotbed for Ring of Honor. They they had a lot of big matches here. They had the uh, title for title match with Nigel McGuinness and Adam Pierce with the ROH and NWA titles. Um, I remember having Nigel uh, defend in a cage against Chris Hero, a match I always got to be there for, which is a great match. Nice. Uh, they had uh, ROH United We Stand at one point, where one of the few times that Brian and Danielson and Nigel McGuinness teamed up against uh, Marafuji and uh, Morishima. <laughs> that was a hell of a thing. Um, ah, yes, and this this is a fun moment here where we've got uh, Les Th- Les Thatcher comes to the ring to present Samoa Joe with a new ROH World Championship belt. Wow. Joe had been champion for over a year, and the whole thing, the whole idea was that they were going to present Joe a new a new title, uh, because. Uh, in May of in May of last year, they, Joe had defended in London uh, against Zebra Kid at an FWA cross promoted show. So, it, so starting at that point, it started being called the ROH World Title. So, we brought Les Thatcher in to to say a few words and present Joe with excuse me with a new ROH World Title belt, and. We'll we'll get to later on what the fate of that happened to be. Wow. So this is the first Ring of Honor World Title match. No, no, no. This was okay. uh, the Joe's match with Zebra Kid was back in May of 03. This was in okay. June of 04. So okay. it had been the world title for a hot second at this point. Okay. But even still, uh, they get to this. They get to this as well. Mark Nolte will get to it in commentary. Gabe or uh, Chris Lovey, Gabe Sapolsky's alter ego, uh, will get to it in commentary. Joe has run through. By this point, Joe has run through AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Paul London, Colt Cabana, Homicide, Doug Williams, BJ Whitmer, Jay Briscoe, Mark Briscoe. Like Joe has been champion. Uh, Admittedly, I got, I got my crib notes here from a piece that I wrote for Wrestling a couple of years ago. That nice. I, it's still one of my it's still one of my favorite things that I ever wrote. But uh, Joe's been champion for 448 days at this point, uh, and he has, has had uh, at least a few title matches have been because someone got a, a a flash pin on him, a fluke roll up on him, and in a tag match or non-title. I think Colt Cabana got a title shot at one point because he he rolled him up at Survival of the Fittest in 03. Uh and then Joe promptly crushed him when he when they got a <laughs> a one-on-one. 
but yeah, this, this is this is CM Punk's first ever ROH World Title match. And he's just sitting in the corner acting like he doesn't give a shit. No, uh, Punk Punk coming in uh was in a position where he had just come off the feud with Raven. So Punk had won his share of big time matches in Ring of Honor. He'd won a he'd won uh the dog collar match with Raven. Uh he'd won the cage match with Raven. Uh you know, he the the Second City Saints had reunited. Punk had just pinned BJ Whitmer to earn this title shot, as Chris Lovey will point out on commentary. And uh but he's he's won half of the tag champions. Punk is coming in feeling good. Punk's coming in feeling like his record in big matches is just as good as Joe's, if not better. And then you see Joe go for the, and then you see him go for the psych out. Yeah. And I, and that's such a fun little thing because at the start of the second match, you don't see this. And uh, it's something that Mark Nolte points out on commentary that, one way you can tell that two guys truly respect each other is that you don't see the fake nose to nose stare down. You you saw it here, but you don't see it in the second match because you hmm. see the respect that each one earned in this one. There's just so much little stuff. And as they get into things early on with the with the collar and elbow and the tie up. Um, you probably know this as well, being an ROH guy as well. Uh, at this point, uh, ROH did not name shows before they happened. Okay. That was not how it worked back in the day. Uh, there was usually a conversation. A lot of times it happened on the ROH forums, but uh, it, I'm sure it happened in other places as well, where they would essentially take suggestions for huh. you know, what to name the show. And this one went on to be called World Title Classic. And for obvious reasons, uh, the fun part about the, the, I'm not sure if I'll call it fun, but, uh, the, the, the something that's interesting to me is, uh, Chris Lovey says right away, this, this is the match the people paid to see, mm. which, yeah, that's the world title match. Uh, uh but, and uh, this is, and this is an interesting, this is an interesting, but. This was not the main event. Oh. This was not the main event. The main event was an ultimate endurance match with the Prophecy, BJ Whitmer and Dan Moff, against Generation Next, Austin Aries and Jack Evans, the Briscoes, and the Second City Saints of Ace Steel and Colt Cabana. The Saints eliminated Generation Next by tap out. Uh, Whitmer and Moff eliminated the Briscoes in a, in, a, in scramble rules. And then Whitmer and Moff beat the Second City Saints in Falls Count Anywhere. Wow. So as, even though this was the match that people paid to see, even though this was World Title Classic, this was not the main event. Oh, interesting. I would never have guessed, especially... I mean, how do I say this without spoiling too much? But obviously, you know, this is not a short match. No. You know, at, so. at this point, at, at this point, I feel like the statute of limitations has kind of gone out the window <laughs> on spoilers for this. 
if you don't know at this point, I don't know how to help you. Uh, yeah. Like I said, and I, I've got a pretty decent, I've done the best I could to watch this as fresh as possible, like we talked about. Um, but I have a decent idea what happened, so. Yeah. And this was, um, th- th- there was a lot of odd things like that that happened throughout the course of the trilogy. Like, does the second match, I, I, the, the plan, I assume the plan was always that there was going to be a second match. But you probably know this as well. The original plan for Joe versus Punk 2 was not Joe versus Punk 2. The original plan for that match was Joe defending against Steve Carino. No. But Carino got pulled by 0-1 at the last second, and they went, oh, I know what we can do in Chicago. Hmm. Let's do Joe and Punk in, in, in the rematch. So I, I don't know how... I I don't know... Like I said, I'm not as familiar. And there it is. There is the headlock. There's what everybody marked out for when Punk grabbed the headlock on collision a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Because he was going back to this. Punk grabbed a side headlock, front face lock, rear chin lock. Punk hit all of them over and over and over again. I. Punk's strategy, it it gets really clear really early on. Nobody has tried to test Joe's endurance yet. Joe's longest title defense went all of about 20 minutes. Wow. At this point. So nobody's really tried to test Joe's wind. So Punk, and there's the drop down right there into the headlock. That's, you know, it's, it's very clear what Punk's going for. It lets Punk keep his wind while wearing Joe down. And if Samoa Joe is on the mat, he's not throwing strikes at you. Yeah. He's, those, he's, like those... he's not he's not throwing chops at you. He's not throwing kicks at you. Yeah, like those kicks earlier. I was like, oof, ouch. And and this and 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 you see Joe staggered by the shoulder block a little bit early yeah. on. And you see it taking its toll. You know, a little bit, but yeah. But the, the the thing of it is, and this was it's 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 an interesting strategy. And it's one that nobody really tried. People have tried to work limbs. People have tried to do other things, but nobody nobody tried to stretch out Joe like this. And it, and to to their credit, it would be really easy for it to turn into you know, lying in a headlock for 45 minutes or whatever it is, but it, they keep it. They, they Joe with the roll through counter and, you know, just starches him. That's, this is oh. the, this becomes the, this becomes the weakness with punk strategy. Uh, You know, punk punk's headlock buys him time, but you're not winning a match with a headlock. Yeah. So she gets not small Joe. And when and when Joe gets free, he just starts starching Punk with 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 those strikes, and that becomes that becomes a major hallmark throughout the throughout the whole thing. Is okay, Punk the the headlock works. I think I think he established in the in the first two hour draws that the headlock works, but. Punk was never really able to find that next gear 
to fully put him away. Because the because especially and, and you'll see it as this thing goes on, when he gets away from the headlock, Joe starts to dominate in very short order. Yeah. No, it's, it's maybe I'm just noticing it more, but something that seems really awesome in Ring of Honor is um a lot of these matches you see. Um, there's no pinfalls for a long time until the match gets going. Like we just watched uh, last night, uh, we just watched Kenta versus Brian Danielson, and the first pinfall attempt wasn't until like twenty some odd minutes into the match. Yeah. Um, so it's just really, uh, and obviously, you know, these two are just oh. trying to kill each other. Oh. And Joe just, and Joe just paint brushes him and 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 challenges him. It's great stuff here. Nope, nope. And wait for it. Bang. <laughs> and there's the shoulder block. Yep. And there was a just a uh, something I appreciated about commentary here as we go through this really great uh, arm drag and counter wrestling sequence here before Joe catches him into the uh, and, and and punk with a flash pin attempt there, just getting two. Uh, uh, at one point, wait for it. Arm drag, arm drag, leg sweep, kick out, leg sweep, duck. All right, stale, stalemate. Hmm. We we had a we had a great moment on we had a great moment on commentary here where uh, uh, Chris Lovey gave Sapolsky's alter ego uh, <laughs> called it called that forearm shot a cheap shot by Punk. And Mark Nolte on color corrected him and went, nah, you know, if Samoa Joe is just going to stand there and stick his chin out at you, I think Punk's well within his rights to take a <laughs> shot at him. Well, <laughs> and, I mean, you know. And Chris and Chris is like, you're not wrong. I, I guess, fine, the first aggressive strike of the match for Punk then. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's, if Joe's just going to stand there and, and, be, and be big man and stick his chin out, then, yeah, he's going to get popped. All right, Punk trying to psych himself back up again, and because we're we're about ten to twelve minutes in at this point, give or take, and so we've we're already we're already at the point where Joe has been close to taking it home on some of his title matches to this point. Yeah, all those kicks, I tell you. Oh man. And that was a situation where, you know, Joe goes for the Greco-Roman knuckle lock, or Punk gives him the Greco-Roman knuckle lock, and commentary is, why, why would you give Joe that chance? He is clearly bigger and stronger. What what did you think he was going to accomplish there? Yeah. And there's Punk going, and there's Punk going in for the rope-a-dope. You see him covering up as Joe swings and swings and swings, and <laughs> and, and no snarky and son of a gun, and uh, yeah, and this is this is another part of Punk's strategy to try to try to test Joe's wind is to is to go rope a dope, which is really, really, really dangerous. Yeah, Joe is such a nasty striker, and yeah, Joe's strike Joe's punching himself out, but you're the one getting punched. I, yeah. And, and this is another point where Mark Nolte makes the point on commentary uh, referencing Rock 
Rocky Marciano, who when opponents would try to cover up on him, he would swing so hard and and damage their arms so badly that by the time the match is over, they can't lift their arms anymore. Mm. You know, and punk to the arm on a nice little little counter there. Picked up and look at started looking for that devil lock DDT. It looked like there because he did run that hammerlock leg sweep DDT and Joe. Oh, and Joe just headbutt, just headbutts in the corner. One and thing about Punk's me. Got a, one Punk's thing got about, a dirty face. Here comes the face wash. I do not like headbutts. I just no. They scare. They scare me. Well, not especially not after what we saw with the the subdural hematoma with the. Shibata. With Shibata, yeah. Like that's okay. Oh. It's enough of that. <laughs> yeah, and punk all the calling, t- punk calling time out on the floor. Yeah, I just the the headbutts just oh taking the air out of the ball again. Well, seeing punk mouthing off to somebody in the crowd, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Um, well, oddly enough, like I said, so, I mean, I, I wasn't watching Ring of Honor at this time. I missed all of CM Punk's run in Ring of Honor and WWE. So I've only really seen Punk, um, in his most recent incarnation. Um, but obviously I I, I know. Rather than go for the headlock, Joe just right again, goes right for the open hand strikes and Punk covers up again. But, but even still Joe works through the defenses and just. Like that, uh, yeah, not a lot of it's getting through, but that's going to take its toll eventually. Yeah, you know, sure. some of it some of it gets through, and as the match goes on, it's getting harder, and it's going to get harder and harder for him to keep his hands up, if that's the case. But right back to it, Punk comes, comes into the headlock and goes right back, right back to the side headlock. Come hell or high water, he's going to stick with the strategy. Yeah, there he goes, talking about Rocky Marciano. Joe oh, went nice. for one of his combo. Joe went for one of his combos there, and Punk caught the leg for a trip, and then back to the side headlock. That 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 had been a patented Joe combo for a while. That chop, uh, or that back chop, the kick, and usually followed it up with the running knee drop. But Punk had it countered. Yeah. Going for the cross faces and Joe gets the ropes. <laughs> and Punk with a little with a little double bicep. And again, we're at. So let me see here. Let me double check on the time. Yeah, we're we're at about fifteen minutes 15. at this point. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen minutes. Like Joe has had Joe has had title matches that have ended in this time. <laughs> Probably a few of them. Ooh, I just uh, saw his his match with BJ Whitmer at Wrath of the Rack hit uh, the last time they were in Dayton uh, was uh, timed at twelve forty four. Wow! So there are there are times when Joe's already in the locker room at this point. 
Oh, and, and Joe finds a punk fan in the front row. <laughs> and and made him flinch. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of people in the world that wouldn't flinch at Samoa Joe doing that to him. So, wow, he's also, really yes, he's really Joe. I mean, you don't see Samoa Joe like this. So, oh, each one, each one's trying to one up the other one and trying to trying to play to the crowd too. And on some level, I feel like they both know they're going sixty, so they're they're trying to mix things oh! up as best they can. Yeah, and then uh, and then Punk and then Punk schools him too. His own fan. <laughs> but I did find your article on wrestling, by the so way. So good. I will I will make sure that the link for your article for this match um, is in the show notes, also for people to check out, Kyle. So. No, that'd be fantastic. I actually talked about all three matches in that. Uh, that was a that was quite a labor of love. It's a, I, you know, it's it's, a, it's easy to talk about your own stuff, but that's still probably one of my favorite things I've ever written. So I'm always happy for people to see that. Just the strategy, talking about how that all evolved as as the as the trilogy went on, and once again, Punk is back in the headlock, and this is. This is, this is definitely at this point. I feel like people are starting to recognize this is something different. Yeah, but here comes the problem again: back chop, kick, and but Punk moves out of the way of the knee this time. Like it, Joe can't quite. You're you're seeing a stalemate already. Punk cannot get away from the headlock without Joe just rolling over him but also punk is tenacious enough with that headlock that joe cannot generate the kind of momentum he usually likes to build they've talked about at this point in commentary joe likes to work a really aggressive style and he's not able to do that because punk has been able to stymie it and it's a it's kind of a question of uh which strategy who's going to give first yeah See, Joe gets out that he's going to go for the combo again. Oh. And Punk moves. There he hits it. Ah. Hockey cover by Joe, though, especially which which is especially surprising given the amount of trouble that Punk has given him to this point. But this is, again, like this is the story that gets that re- that rehashes over and over and over again. Joe escapes the headlock or Punk gets away from the headlock and he's able to turn the tide in pretty short order. Yeah. Vertical suplex, delayed vertical suplex, which is is admittedly an interesting call. Yeah, Joe's got the power, but Punk has Punk's taken a lot of wind out oh. of him. By this point. Yeah. Well, like I said, so we are roughly probably a little, little under 20 minutes. I wonder at what point the crowd realized they are seeing something that they've never seen, maybe never seen before in the United States. 
you know, it's it's uh, it's very it's very gradual, honestly. In, in my recollections of it, and I've having I've rewatched it a couple of times this week already in preparation for this and in preparation for Punk and Joe on Collision. It, it's it's a very gradual thing. They're they're a very respectful crowd. They're very quiet. Uh, throughout the whole thing and not, and it's clear that it's not because they're bored. Yeah. Joe corners punk and just is just unloading on him, but with a thumb to the eye and back to the headlock. (laughs) I mean, that's tremendous. Any idea who the ref is? Uh, I believe it's Sean Hansen. He was, uh, I think he was. I think he was Midwest based. I think ROH used a lot of regional referees at this point. Uh, Todd Sinclair is the official for two and three in the trilogy, okay. though. This is this is also shortly after uh, the Feinstein incident. Gotcha. So ROH, when when Gabe goes to pay the bills early in this match, uh, they talk about how ROH is now their own video production company. Uh, that ROH was run through RF video for the first year and a half or so of its existence. Uh, then when the Feinstein stuff broke, uh, they broke away from RF, uh, started their own uh, video house or whatever you want, clearing house or whatever you want to call it. And uh, so this was this was in the midst of, uh, of a lot of changes coming to Ring of Honor. Uh, Generation Next was just sort of start, was starting to come into their own at this point. Uh, you had Joe as a record-setting champion. You know, you you kind of had uh, this was a thing that they mentioned uh, in commentary early. You know, who, Punk or Joe, who's going to lead ROH into the future? Yeah, there was a sense of the page turning here, and it was also around this time, if I'm not mistaken, around 0405, they ran a series of shows through the Midwest called ROH Reborn. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. And that this is a this is a strike match. This is not where Punk wants to be, and it becomes abundantly clear. And Punk powders, but Joe gets too close, and admittedly, this is probably not where Punk wants to be either. Yeah, I. Uh... Joe is just going to dust him on the floor because that's what Joe does. I. Ah, damn headbutts. Well, I, I, I will argue, and not, not that I'm super familiar with any of this sort of stuff, but I, I've argued that that one looked at least a little bit better than the ones in the corner earlier. And yeah, into the guardrail, it looked like Punk's head caught the chair on the way over. And now Joe's feeling himself. This is... This is where he, this is his pace. This is where he wants the match to be. Joe is now in control. But oh, as per usual, they, they Joe can't. Joe's cannot sustain the momentum. Punk is a good enough counter wrestler and and counter puncher that. You know, Joe can't can't keep with the momentum. 
And Punk going for the ole ole kick on the outside on Joe, one of his trademark moves, one of Joe's trademarks. And as soon as he noticed Joe getting up, Punk skedaddled back to the ring. That is a much safer place to be with Samoa Joe than on the floor. Yeah. And we're now, we're now over 20 minutes in, by the way. Yeah. This is, this is now, this is now officially the longest title match of Joe's reign. Wow. At 20, at 2005, this officially became the longest title match of Joe's reign. And it would not, and it would not be, it would, it would never be topped because they'd, they'd go on to have another 60 minute draw, but. Uh, outside of Punk, the only other guy to take Joe to any kind of significant distance was uh, was Brian Danielson at at Midnight Express reunion. Hmm. I think I think at that show they went thirty seven and change something around something around there. Ah, more headbutts. And now Joe is and just a big forearm strike to the floor. Yeah, Joe has Joe has absolutely got Punk right where he wants him now. And we're gonna see the big man. Oh, elbow suicida. And there's no mats on that floor either. No, they were they were not in Dayton. That was uh. That. That was a, that was always a hell of a thing, and uh, Joe is Joe is smaller here than he was than he would be later in his career, obviously. But even here, Joe is a solid two seventy, two eighty at least. Yeah. And and Joe, and you see Joe work out that knee a little bit on the floor before he got up took a hard landing there and Joe is about to, sh- and uh, now we're going for the ole ole kicks. Oh, gonna, gonna, gonna build the crowd into it. Not, but punk is able to counter again, but then Joe is able to hurricane Rana. Nope. Poor camera work, but Joe caught the Hurricane Rana and literally just swung him into the guardrail. And at the risk of a spoiler, because I'm not going to be talking with you over the next couple of matches, Punk would try that again in Chicago at Joe versus Punk 2, and Joe would counter it again with Hmm. a swing to the guardrail again. But uh, at at their third match... At All Star Extravaganza Two in in uh, in New Jersey in December of this year of that year, uh, Punk would go for it again. But he, by this point, Punk was already desperate. He was busted open. But instead of the uh, instead of the Hurricane Rana, he just straight drop kicked him off the apron, flat back on the floor. Just because because at that point, Punk is just so desperate to do anything to damage Joe. Punk's already but. Punk's already cut open. He knows he's in trouble. He knows he's got to do something. And he went for what Joe, he, Joe was no doubt expecting the Hurricane Rana again. And Punk went for the drop kick. 
but now now Joe's got him. And before he hit the first, before he hit that first Olay kick a minute ago, you saw him blow a kiss to the punk fan in the front row. They're still torturing that poor punk fan. Second one. As as we're approaching, as we're as we're getting close to the thirty minute mark now, I. It's it's starting to it's starting to feel like it's a matter of time. Yeah. Like he is just decimating punk on the floor at this point. He's touring oh. he's touring ringside he's touring ringside with the Ole Ole kicks. He's starching him with chops. This is Oh And there we go, and 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 back to the ring for the double bicep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he di- and technically he didn't need to go back to the ring at this point. At this point, ROH did not have uh, countouts. Okay, that was my in, next go. In their rules, uh, the the way of the way they always said it was that ROH did not have countouts on the floor, but it was to the referee's discretion, and you could be disqualified if you were on the floor for too long. Okay. But at one point, I think they make the point that uh, Ref Hansen or even Todd Sinclair later on would probably sooner let one of them just straight shoot the other one than mm. that than 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 end a match like this in a disqualification. Yeah. And yeah, at, at this point, Punk can barely stand. We're 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 at, we're at about the halfway. We're, we're at about third. We're just shy of thirty minutes, and Punk can barely get to his feet. But he's able to counter, back chop, and oh, and just runs right into the Uranagi slam. But it's still not enough. Yeah, like I said, I mean, pin pinfall attempts have been uh, few and far between so far. Yes. Yeah, that little the little spurt by Punk a little bit earlier, but and Joe just just laying into him, back to the face wash. Oh geez. Jesus! And the long hair just helps accentuate. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, now Joe. Joe just with with the running boot wash in the corner. Joe is just, you know, and and Joe's feeling at this point. The, but but you can also look at Joe at this point. Joe is even. Joe is a blast furnace right now. He is breathing hard. Yeah, and. In that sense, Punk's strategy is absolutely working, but the catch of it is Punk now can't capitalize on it. Because Joe has so much behind every strike, every maneuver, even something like this with the with the heads with the head scissors. Yeah. It's, it's two tree trunks crushing your head, man. Oh. Punk looking to 
you got to think he's trying to, yep, he's going to pop the hips, roll it over. But Joe's in the ropes. And Joe's holding on to the hold. Partially, I'm not even sure that it's even doing that much damage to Joe, but Punk needs those couple extra seconds just to get a breather. Yeah, to get some... And you notice he, imme he immediately retreats to the far corner, and Joe presses the advantage. Again, with the headbutts and the oh. strikes. And and nobody's sitting. Nope. We're starting to figure it out. It's, like I said, it's a very... It's a very gradual thing. And their punk finally goes high risk. Because he's got to do something. Yeah, he's got to do something to keep Joe down for a second. He's he can't he's he's not even going for a cover. He just needs to buy himself some time because Joe's been beating on him for about 10 solid minutes. But at the risk yeah. of a Brian Cage compare, but at the risk of a Brian Cage comparison, Joe's a machine. He's already getting back up. Yeah. Back to his feet. But the boot knocks him, but the boot takes him Ooh. down. Again. That Too that gone. Joe probably would have laughed off that strike in the first 10 minutes of this match. Joe probably would have laughed that off early in this match, but now it puts him down and puts him down for a two. And Punk smartly. You you see him go back to it. When he needs a reset, Punk gets back in that headlock. He's planning two or three moves ahead. He's wearing down Joe. He's getting his breath back. Russian leg sweep, and he's going to try and tie up those big legs. Yeah, those are, uh, those are some big go. legs. And Punk wasn't, put, wasn't doing a great job putting the hold together in the first place, but he got it in where he wanted it, finally. And now, and now Punk's, and you're, you're seeing Punk go back to the headlock to, to, to find himself some advantage, to get his wind back, to put himself back together again. But now you see him try to go to the second phase of his plan, was trying to do something to keep Joe down. The headlock wore him down, so stuff that you're doing is going to have a little bit more a little bit more effect than it would otherwise if you're just going straight at him but now but now the tricky part comes in and you've got to find a way to keep him down and for 15 months nobody's found a way to keep him down yeah and some of the very very best in the world have tried some of them multiple times But going with the legs, it's as good a strategy as any, you know, damages the vertical base, keeps him, you know, if, if he can't support his own weight, he's going to have a hard time holding you in the muscle buster. He's going to have a hard time picking you up for the island driver. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of his offense is obviously, you know, derived from his legs, so. Uh, and yeah, Joe is a Joe has submissions in his arsenal, a hundred percent. But to this point, all but two of his world title matches uh, ended by pinfall. 
Joe was very much a, you know, knock you out rather than tap you out kind of guy. Yeah. And now Joe back, goes back to the abdominal stretch and a nice little rolling cradle out of it that gets two. You know, and Joe doesn't get always, Joe is always is such a phenomenal striker and he, is, he has so much power that he doesn't get credit for the technical acumen that he does have. And you forget that Joe is a former pure champion. Yeah. He, uh, at this point, he hadn't won it yet. He would go on to defeat Jay Lethal for the belt in the spring of 2005 at, uh, at Manhattan Mayhem. Hmm. But uh, Now, was he a Ring of Honor exclusive at this point? Joe? Uh, yeah. More or less. Okay. Uh, I, I, think, I think all of them were able to take indie bookings here or there, but Joe, for the most part, with a couple of exceptions was pretty much exclusive ROH. Okay. I think he was, I think he was doing PWG. Um, I think he was doing IWA mid South periodically, um, probably IWS out of uh, Pennsylvania, but the bulk of his business was, was ring of honor. Yeah, the second rope leg drop there. That's the second time you've seen Punk go to the ropes now, too, to try to go a little bit more high risk to try to get it, get an advantage here. Yeah, because he wouldn't show up on Impact till a bit later, right? Yeah, his Impact debut, I don't believe, was until about two thousand. I want to say two thousand. Might have been about two thousand five, right in that neighborhood, because. Okay. The, uh, the 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 famous three way with uh, Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles was in the was in June of 05, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Okay, that's right. Although somebody could easily fact check me on that, I might be wrong on that. It might have been it might have been 07. I might be off on I might be off by a year or two, but. Yeah, and Punk's Punk it inexplicably oh. decides that that's a great idea to, and and now and now he just poked the bear, big kick to the back, and a Saito suplex, and there goes that. As we are, as we hit forty minutes, or roughly thereabouts. Wow. And you know, but Joe, but you see, but you see how long it takes Joe to capitalize too. Yeah, Look how hard Joe is breathing. And you know, Joe might not have enough in the tank to put Punk Ooh. away, and there a roar and and a rolling forearm puts Joe down, like a fucking brick shit hell, or yeah. And and again, early going, that does not put Joe down. Early going, that just pisses Joe off. I was gonna say he probably laughs if it happens early. But here it dropped him 40, 40 minutes deep. This is twice as long as Joe has ever gone in Ring of Honor at this point. There's probably a couple of matches you could probably two or three matches you could put together that were shorter than this one for and, him. And punk 
and punk goes to the and punk goes to the sleeper uh he would punk would go on to say in an interview before the third match in the trilogy this is where he thought he had the match won maybe not here here but he he really thought he had it won with the sleeper because he had put in so much work he had dedicated so much to the headlock joe was already gassed and and you and you see joe go down to a knee and down to the mat yeah but that actually but that actually worked to joe's advantage uh, you you see how punk is not really able to truly wrap uh, really lock that in as deep as he should because of joe's positioning yeah And as a result, Joe's able to make his way back. Punk's position is not good. Tries to go back to it again. Joe counters. Punk counters. Back to the sleeper again. Punk really feels like this is his, this is his shot. He Now he's got it a little bit better. But Joe's very close to the ropes. Wow. You know, right? I mean, like... I, you can see Joe fading. This, this, the headlock strategy. You have to say the headlock strategy has worked. Yeah. But Joe is absolute, and Joe is absolutely fading here. You know, and the and the crowd is the crowd is right right. You're right there. They're still standing. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> the crowd is all in on this right now. Yeah, they're definitely kind of in shock. Ah, uh, geez, I'm having some service interruption here on my end. Oh, you need me to pause it all? Uh, I'm 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 rebooting a few things. Let me know. Uh, let me get it rolling again. Uh, where 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 are you at on the timeline? I'm at forty eight forty. All right, so you're punks on his back. Yep, and there's Joe kicking in, kicking, going for the Boston Crab. And turns him with a knee in the back. Oh, Kyle just nasty, just nasty. And oh. and then and then you see they got that high angle Boston crab where he lo- where he locks underneath the knees. You know, Joe oh. is Joe was so oh. Joe was so good at that high Joe was so good at that high angle crab. But oh. Punk is able to get the ropes. Ow. And that's such a great thing. And it's and Mark Nolte points it out too. When you're when you're locking on on the almost on the thighs below the knees like that, you can't use your legs to power out at that point. You don't have the fulcrum point of your knee to help to help break that out. Huh. So it's 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 
all pressure on the back and you can, and you don't have your legs to support you anymore. Do you think more people would do it that way? Oh, it's, it's harder to lock in. It's not, it's not quite as easy to get into as, as, as the way Joe does it. And Joe with a few Ooh. kicks in the corner, but and just running knee right to the dome. Punk is, uh, and once again, like the the sleep the sleeper gambit failed, and at this point, it's fair to question what Punk has left. Yeah. That that was that was his big gambit. That was his thing. That was what he thought was going to win it, and it didn't. And but but Punk is no Punk's a, a great wrestler in his own right. He made it to the finals of the inaugural Pure Tournament. He's a tag champion. He earned ever he has every right to be here as well. Uh, and through the Raven feud, it became abundantly clear this is a guy who is very good at thinking on his feet, you know, and adapting on the fly. Yeah. And now we're going to have to see how he does that because this was what he really thought was going to take him to the title and it failed. So now what? And see, he even had an ugly elbow drop back in 2004. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, it still only gets him two. Yeah. But again, it's been so, so, so back and forth. Neither guy has really been able to to generate any kind of a sustained advantage for any length of time. I mean, the longest we had was Joe had a, a had that ten eight or ten or so. minute stretch about the uh, about the twenty to thirty minute mark, but Joe really didn't have the wind to put Punk away at that point. Looking for a big, big looking for a big back superplex. Oh, oh. you just see that? Man, you just, got just, it. Just glad everybody's okay. Looking for that big back superplex, and that's gonna that that's gonna take a lot out of both guys, especially at this point in the match. But that that also kind of speaks to the desperation that Punk is at right now. You know, he's got to figure something out to put this guy away, because yeah, his strategy has almost worked, but he's not quite there yet, and you know, he's he hasn't. I'm trying to remember if they, if there were announcements in the building about the time limit, but on some level, he has to be at least somewhat cognizant of the fact that he's running out of time. Yeah. Joe just using his power to block the, the, the hammer throw. And Punk decides to counter with sort of a, Oh, on drop kick. God, Joe snaps that power slam off so nice and right into the cross arm breaker. I love transitions like that. But Punk's able to get that S grip. So nothing there, nothing there. Technically, Ref Hansen probably should be counting punk's shoulders right now but that's okay <laughs> semantics 
Punk's able to roll through and get to the bottom rope. And Joe is breathing like mad too now. He Joe's been breathing like mad for what? 20 minutes at this point, 30 minutes at this point. And I mean, you see, and Joe's starting to get angry. Yeah, I mean, he really slamming the mat like that. I've never seen him get to that point before. Oh. And uh, and uh, Kawada kicks. Oof. Just brutal. Just brutal Kawada kicks to the face. As we as we hit the as we are approaching 50 minutes, 5-0. Wow. And Powerbomb countered, sunset flip. That that is the sort of thing. That's how oh. Punk won it. And now he hits the power bomb though. And back into the big crab on the kick out. Look how high he's sitting on the shoulders, too. Yeah, I would be. Oh. But the, the, the punk hitting the sunset flip there, that and countering down to the STF. With it in tight, too. But. No, that that sunset flip. That's uh, Punk's going to wind up going to things like that with with more frequency as as the trilogy goes on. Uh, just because though that seems to be the only way anyone in ROH seems capable of actually pinning Joe. Mm. For the longest time, almost all the only way anybody ever pinned Joe was a flash pin, a roll up, a victory roll, a sunset flip, a folding press. Uh, you know, it nobody could ever beat Joe straight on, but Joe could be surprised. Went for the flip. Went. <laughs> Both guys are just so completely gassed at this point. It's hard to blame them. They've kept up a pretty wild pace for 51 minutes plus at this point. Yeah. Oh, oh. Punk's able to flip out of the corner. Big boot of his own. And on some level, Punk's got to be thinking Pepsi Plunge. But not now. Now instead he's going for the Hurricane Rock, for the top rope uh, Frankensteiner, and he hits it. But still only gets two. But also you notice that, that this, is, this is also where Joe's... Uh, this is also where Punk's rope-a-dope is kind of failing him. Punk also doesn't have the wind to to keep at to press the advantage as much yeah. as he probably should, because Joe has just beaten on him mercilessly every time he's had the advantage. And that takes its toll. Yeah, you rope-a-dope for a while, but you're again, you're the one getting hit. Ooh. Step over into the mule kick. Counter, hammerlock, Pepsi twist. Remember Pepsi twist, by the way? Vaguely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pepsi with a twist of lemon. They marketed that for a hot second. So Punk had the Pepsi plunge. He also had the Pepsi twist. So that was that hammerlock swinging clothesline. And then he had the devil lock DDT, which was that hammerlock leg sweep DDT like Andrade uses now. 
Matt Taven's and, using that in 2013. And Punk is now going for the Lariat, which is with the removal of the elbow pad, that's it, it's a choice. Hmm. And it ends badly. <laughs> oh. Oh. And Joe with the rolling cradle. Just a great little move that you don't see near enough. Tries to disorient your opponent and this deep into a match. Anything that can be that kind of disorienting. You know, that's that's going to be huge. It was, a, it was a great thing for Joe to pull out of his bag of tricks there. I'm just disorientated just watching. <laughs> and we are at 54 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, crucifix. And now at this point, oh. Punk, at this point, and at, the, and at this point, Punk's just, oh, and Joe just starches him with a lariat. Yeah, that was, uh, at this point, Punk is just going for whatever flash pin he can think of because he just, he, he, as great a thinker as he is, he, he, his bag of tricks might be empty. Yeah. But even that lights out area did not keep him down. We're rapidly and we're rapidly approaching 55 minutes. Yeah, no announcements to the crowd or anything, so. And Joe the full Nelson looking for that dragon suplex combination. They were looking for the German with the waist lock there. Punk hooking the ropes. And one one oh. shot at Shining Wizard. Yeah. Ooh. Shining Wizard Shining Wizard was one of Punk's trademarks at that point, and it didn't get the job done. Like he's like both guys, both guys are just completely spent at this point. There's nothing left in the tank. But on, and it's it's hard to even say who's got the advantage. I mean, you'd think Punk, he's going to be to his feet first here, but Punk hardly has the look of a guy who has the advantage right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been, what, 30 seconds since that last move or since that kickout? He could even touch Joe again. Joe Duck and Punk with a bit of a low blow that did not get seen. But... Oh. Straight to the knees. Such a such a cool move. He fold he like how he folded the knees up underneath punk like that and just very cool. And then a big single leg crab. I'm a big fan of the single leg crab. It's easy but effective. You can do so much more with you know controlling one leg. Yeah. Just do as just and just do as much damage. But punk was too close to the ropes. 
but the damage is done. Uh oh. Not sure what, and Joe's looking for. No, he's not doing what I think he's going to do, is he? Looking for so something, and Punk escapes. I was like, is he going for a top rope muscle buster? That'd be a. It looked it looked like it was something in that vicinity. Now Joe's going to go for a superplex. That's. He Punk counters. Oh, the fan. Oh. The fans are up. Oh. Oh. Pepsi plunge, but rolls out of the ring by accident. Nope. All the work. All the work Joe did on the knees. The du the double knees into the mat. The single leg crabs. Yep. Punk's knees. Punk's knees are a mess at this point, and the and the Pepsi plunge is all impact on the knees. So his biggest weapon is pretty well neutralized, and it also the knees are in bad shape as it is. But Punk's also is also ridiculously fatigued at fifty five, fifty six minutes into this match. So the the combination is just bad news, and Joe has barely moved. Um, I'm a renowned not a big fan of CM Punk, but that is fucking brilliant on both their ends. And, and uh, as a storytelling device, no, that this the the whole trilogy fits together so well. But you know, Joe's already you know working his way back to his feet. So now Punk's hit him with the biggest move in his arsenal. Now what? Some forearms. Double clothesline. Both down spot. Classic. See, this the, the, the Pepsi plunge became a major point of contention for Punk throughout this feud because he hit it in Dayton. He could not even attempt to make a cover. Uh, later on, Punk and uh, Punk and Homicide would have a three-way non-title match with Joe. Punk would hit the Pepsi Plunge, but Homicide would would jump him, throw him out of the ring, and pin Joe. So that became part of uh, what Punk said after uh, their second match. I know the Pepsi Plunge can pin you. If I can hit it, I can pin you. Suplex. Oh. Back to the knee with the dragon screw. Punk started building momentum, and Joe went right back to the dragon screw and back to the knee. Brilliant. You know, at that point, almost almost defensive more than anything. Just start, I mean, you could tell, like, he just did it out of reflex. You know. But that, you know, that that's... Punk's got a major change... Uh, dent in his armor now in that uh in in those knees and and joe is able to go back to it yeah the refter the timekeeper just announced sometime i think five minutes maybe 
if even that. Yeah. And I think we're even, it might even been less than that because this is pretty close to the finish, as I recall. Like, I think we're, I think you're going for like oh. an inverted. I don't know if they were supposed, I don't know if that was supposed to be an inverted DDT like that. If it was supposed to be an inverted suplex and it didn't work out where they were at, but either way, at that point, you're this deep in the match, just throw your opponent at the mat and, and hope for something good to happen. Yeah. You know, neither guy can, neither guy can capitalize on much of anything at this point. Under a minute, they said. There you go. And now we're just strikes, just strikes, strikes, strikes. Punk actually getting with Punk actually getting the better of it. Yeah. And then Joe and then Joe retaliating. DDT, which I'm still not sure if that was supposed to be a callback to Raven, the stuff he learned from Raven or not. And Punk Can't collapses before he can get into the cover. Uh, uh, there, able to get in. Two, two count. And and that's and that is it. Wow. That is Joe versus Punk one. The crowd demands five more minutes. But they're but they're about to be very disappointed. Yeah, I just I just read that from your article. <laughs> <laughs> Your article spoiled it for me. <laughs> yeah, it did. But this was this was so so good at the time. It lived up to the. Uh, There's a reason the show got called World Title Classic. It lived up to that billing and then some. Yeah. And what's even more shocking is that they would top it the next time out. Yeah, the first five-star match in Ring of Honor history. They're about to have. Yes. Uh, and Melster would also call it their, the first five-star match in North America since about 1997, if memory serves. Yeah. The crowd wants five more minutes. Punk still hasn't gotten to his feet yet. At this point, I'm not even sure if Joe would be willing to go five more minutes because uh, uh, when Punk wanted his re wanted another rematch after Joe versus Punk two, after the second uh, hour draw, uh, Joe famously said in an interview, "the the job is to beat me, not survive me." Hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not. I'm trying to remember if if the ROH YouTube video here has the post match that I wrote about or not. Yep. Uh, at this point, there it is. Joe's big feud with Homicide. Homicide comes out with a chair. And if there was a hope of five more minutes, it's about to evaporate. 
Homicide takes the new new ROH World Title Belt. This is also uh, oh. uh, takes out the referee, takes out the ring announcer for Jeff Gorman. Shout out to him. Good good guy. Follow him on Twitter. For a second, I kind of wanted him to come back for uh, to be the ring announcer for this mm. one, just as a as a throwback, but. Uh, homicide basically says you want this belt come to New- come to New York City and get it he takes out the referee he takes out the ringside he takes out the all the stuff at the timekeeper's table he flips the timekeeper's table and you see yeah, homicide now and he looks just the same and you wonder yeah, how we're, yeah, we're clearly not getting five more minutes. Uh, by yeah. the way, that be- that belt uh, would show up. Homicide would would uh, talk with it again at Survival of the Fittest later that year in 2004 to taunt Joe with it. Uh, oh, nice! Before before their last match at I want to say it was at Glory by Honor weekend that year, but I don't entirely recall i'd have to look it up again uh homicide and joe had essentially a no holds barred i believe title match that was uh homicide's last shot at the title uh so joe beat homicide there obviously uh regardless after that after that couple those couple of events in 2004 that belt was never seen or mentioned again no Okay. Yeah, it, I didn't. I didn't recognize it. I'm not, you know, the big historian, but I didn't recognize it all. But that makes okay. Nope. That belt was never seen again after the homicide fuse. Joe didn't even get it back. It was just gone. Wonder where it is. Be interesting to see. Maybe, maybe Conrad has it. He has all the rest of them. It seems like. And now, and now, post match, Punk gets on the microphone. And he has a uh, a few choice words to say about what a great match this was and what Joe has done for the Ring of Honor world title. This right here is the mm. most important belt in North America. I mean, is he wrong? In June of 2004, I hate to be this guy, but the WWE title was probably still more important. If I'm being objective, but... The, but that one's but the Ring of Honor belt certainly certainly uh, manifested the best wrestler. Yeah, it's the most important belt in North America, and it's because of what you've done for it. Wow! The handshake, the hug, and the and Punk's famous and fuck anyone who tries to stop us. Wow. 
All right. And and that was Joe versus Punk one. You know, for for a match I've heard about for probably the better part of the past 10 years. Um, you know, sometimes the stuff like that happens, you know, it doesn't live up to the hype, but it, it did. Wow. Uh, the match was a blast. Uh, it, it was, like I said, it was so, so good. Uh, but the fact that they would proceed to go out and top it next time out uh, in Chicago, the Chicago atmosphere helped tremendously just because of the fact that Punk had such a decided hometown advantage. Um, but yeah, yeah they, they, they built on everything that they did here. They changed, they updated their strategies based on how, what they did before uh, they adapted to those adaptations. Uh, it was, it was great stuff. Um, and and like, like I said, like I said, like I said, prior to this match, only one title offense had gone 20 minutes. Several were under 15, a small handful, and even a small handful were in less than 10. But but Punk may have found the answer. He wore down Joe. He tested his he tested his conditioning. And yes, Punk underestimated it. Joe's conditioning was clearly better than Punk anticipated. But there, there was something there. You could see it, and you could, and there were several points where you could see how close Punk was to the title. Yeah, and he was—he's well within his rights to believe that with a second chance, he can get it done. Well, and it's hard to imagine that. I mean, this match was supposed to technically be a one-off. Yeah, and in the way they booked it and everything, it just like said, it's tailor-made for a second match, which obviously yes. you know, we're very glad we got, but. Yes, yeah. they would. They would. They would go on to have that second match in October in Chicago Ridge, as I said, in Punk's backyard. Uh, yeah, Chicago Ridge, not too far from us. Uh, I've seen. I've seen a few. I've seen quite a few shows there. It's a great little venue. Uh, by the time, by the time Joe would, by the time Punk would get his second shot in October, Joe will. Joe would have been at twenty-two title defenses. And outside of that one draw with Punk, only Brian Danielson would have even pushed Joe beyond 25 minutes. Wow. So even even all the title defenses in that ensuing five months, only one of them still went beyond the 25-minute mark. Like, Punk hit on something, and it was something that nobody else was either uh, brave or foolhardy enough to try. Yeah, I said, yeah, Carino is supposed to be in Japan, huh? Yep. It was supposed to be Joe versus Steve Carino, but uh, like I said, but uh, Carino got pulled by 0-1. And yeah, so Joe versus Punk 2. I'm sure you'll, I'm I'm looking forward to... uh, Listening to that episode for you when you when you get to that one and uh, hearing your reactions. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty stoked. Like I said, I mean it's it's tough for things when you, you hear about them and and like I said, I heard some rumblings about this. I said I was way out of wrestling at this point. Um, you know, if if I had fallen Ring of Honor back in two thousand two or three, um, I probably never would have fallen out. But that's another story for another time. But I I don't know what to say. I am pleasantly surprised. 
you know, and I, I'm not, and I'm a big Samoa Joe guy, but I'm not a big CM Punk guy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, but yeah, Kyle, that was awesome. I appreciate you doing this with me. Absolutely. And Punk in ROH just hit different. He just did. Yeah. Everything, everything's, everything seemed a little bit more urgent. There was that sense of, there were things that he recreated in WWE from his ROH run. There's things that he's sort of recreated in AEW from his ROH run, but it doesn't hit quite the same as the original because you have that that ROH feel of the scrappy underdog who's still trying to scratch and claw for 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 things that they haven't even earned yet, as Punk said in his famous Russell Rave promo. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 just fabulous stuff, and this is. This is probably this trilogy is probably him at his best as an in-ring performer. As a character, it's hard to top the Raven feud. It was yeah. so good on so many levels, but as an in-ring performer, this is probably CM Punk at his absolute best. Yeah, and just and just the little things too. And like I said, I mean, you know, I was glad you're there to, to point a lot of that out. You know, just just the brilliance of you know hitting the Pepsi plunge, but. You know, and ro- and not only not being able to make the cover, but to roll all, uh, roll out of the ring in pain, knowing he had it, but he he didn't have it. Yep. So, and that that and that continues to be a sore. Like I said, that continues to be a sore spot for him because he really, really believes that the Pepsi plunge would put Joe down, and he has evidence that the plunge would put Joe down. Uh, this. You know, because he got because homicide used it to get the pin on him. You know, yeah. it's man, homicide. What a prick! In all the best ways. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Did you ever see that riot that uh, homicide started about a year earlier in New York? Oh yeah, oh yeah, the chair riot. Yeah, classic stuff. That I mean, that whole that whole feud with Steve Carino was was really something else uh with homicide there and that was uh that was actually one half of the main event of the first time that punk and joe actually met in ring of honor their first ring of honor meeting was actually back in august of 03 hmm. at, a sh- at a show called bitter friends stiffer enemies hmm. uh it was it was non-title joe was champion had been champion for uh five months or so at that point but uh I believe the story going at the time was that both Punk and Joe were not at 100% because of one reason or another, so the decision was made for it to be a non-title match. Joe picked up the win in about 15-20 minutes, something like that. Pretty, honestly, pretty pedestrian compared to the stuff that they would go on to do. Yeah. Uh, But that show was actually main evented by a grudge match with Homicide and Steve Carino, Hmm. and a match between Dan Moff and Loki. Well, I mean that the name of that show is definitely uh, very apropos with those six guys. So, yes. Wow. Low key, that guy, that guy is something else. So, <laughs> yeah, your first Ring of Honor World Champion. So, yes, sir. And Xavier was the second. Hard to imagine. Rest in peace to that guy. Yeah, that was pretty recently too, like twenty twenty or something like that. So, yeah, lost him a couple of years ago. But uh, 
Yeah. Well, low, uh, low, low key to low key to Xavier to Samoa Joe to Austin Aries. Back to CM Punk. Yeah. And then he left for WWE. In the and summer signed and and signed his and signed his WWE contract on the eight on the ROH World Championship. I wonder if Vince even know that he did that. That'd be interesting. I mean, Vince keeps himself in such a bubble. It'd be interesting to see if like anyone in WWE even acknowledged that he did that. Um, my understanding, I, I'd have to remember how Punk specifically phrased it, but on his uh, WWE documentary, on his DVD set that they did when he was in WWE, uh, he did say something to the effect that he hadn't actually, like, it was a piece of official paperwork. It wasn't just a prop. Like, I, I think it was, a, I think it was a situation where he had actually, like, officially, he had officially signed, but that was, there was some other little piece of business that needed to be done and that's what he signed or something to that effect interesting i'd i'd have i'd have to go back and rewatch the documentary but punk did make mention that it was pretty close to being actually his wwe contract <laughs> oh brilliant so that well that whole summer of punk was just fantastic anyway because and to hear punk tell it you know he he, he had a moment where uh the way he tells it, he went into Gabe Sapolsky and pretty much told him, yeah, they called, I'm going. And Gabe started making his usual plans to, you know, what, okay, when's your last date, blah, 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 blah. Or, and the way, I think the way Punk phrased it was something along the lines of, you know, they know I'm going, but they don't know when. And then the and then the idea got hatched for the for the summer of punk for taking the title at Death Before Dishonor from Austin Aries and the heel turn and the whole nine yards. But man, yeah, like I, I said, mean, punk and ROH just hits different. Yeah, yeah, and and I I missed all of it, so it's fun to go back and watch this old stuff, and I'm just glad we we do have access to it. So you know, most of yeah. it's out there on YouTube, so. Well, I'm glad that Honor Club put up at least the trilogy. Um, if I if I had, I, I I'm a subscriber to Honor Club, obviously, and I I review ROH weekly. Uh, it, but if I was to be completely honest, I'm not thrilled with a lot of stuff that is on Honor Club right now, or frankly, is not on Honor Club right now. There are sizable gaps in 2004, 2003, 2007. Uh, in some really key years, there are some sizable gaps in the in the catalog, and I really hope that's something that can be resolved. Because outside of them uh, curating a specific playlist for uh, for Honor Club in in celebration of the match that we had this past Saturday, none of those matches would be on there. None of those shows are actually on Honor Club right now. World Title Classic. Joe versus Punk two or All Star Extravaganza two. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> this is uh, something I bring up weekly. Um, you know, and I, I've been with Honor Club since there's been an Honor Club. Um, Same. You know, so and yeah, I mean, there's like eight matches total in 2007, not events, matches. So yeah, but it's that, it's. And and 2007 has so much great stuff in it. The 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 tail end of the Jimmy Jacobs uh, B J Whitmer feud, the rise of the age of the fall, 
Um, yeah, God, that, I keep going back to that Jacobs Whitmer feud. It's this we're getting away from Punk and Joe at this point. But, oh no, I'm good, but God, that 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 cage match that Jacobs and Whitmer had in Detroit on WrestleMania weekend in 07, like phenomenal stuff, and it's not there. It kills me. No, I, I, I have the D, I have the DVD. I can go pop. I could go pop it in and watch it whenever I want. But yeah, no, we are we are very pro Jimmy Jacobs on this show. So anytime, yeah, I mean, I would be on a baseball podcast if we started talking about Jimmy Jacobs. I'd be okay with it. So, um, yeah, because we we're uh, I'm planning on doing. Uh, it's been rescheduled a couple times, but we're doing uh, Steven Generico versus the Briscoes and Ladder Wars from Final Battle that year. Oh. Yeah. Fabulous. So um that that's in the wait, works. The, yeah, the, the, wait, the the latter work with Steen and Jericho and the Briscoes, wasn't that at uh Oh might might have been might not have been final battle, but no that that was a that was at Man Up at the pay-per-view, the debut of the Age of the Fall. Ah, uh, could be, yeah. I think that was at the Man Up pay-per-view where J, where Jay got hung upside down in the Oh, it's that match? That as far as I'm aware, that's the only ladder war the two teams ever had. Oh, I see. I see. I'm yeah. I'm going into a blind, so I didn't know it was that match. Okay. Oh, geez. I'm now. I'm now. I'm just spoiling shit for you, no, left and right. <laughs> that's okay. Listen, I'm I'm just learning this all as I go. Listen, I, you know, I anything pre 2012 Ring of Honor, I'm pretty ignorant to, but I'm learning as I go. So that's the whole point hey, of doing this there, kind of stuff. So there's some great, great stuff, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it for you. Uh, it'd be great to be able to go back with fresh eyes and look at it for the first time again. Yeah, Because a lot of that stuff I just hold so near and dear. I was in college watching some of that stuff, and like just amazing. Just completely rekindling my love of wrestling. Yeah, listen, I, you know, after ECW folded, you know, and I told this on previous podcasts, but I didn't really find anything, and obviously I just felt, I mean, WWE just went, you know, was boring. So, and I, I sucked at internet, so I didn't know anything about the internet or anything. But I heard rumblings of Ring of Honor throughout, throughout, you know, throughout history. But, um, yeah, I'm just glad I found it now, and I'm glad we can at least watch some of it. Solid chunks on YouTube, but you know, I don't know if this is just a licensing issue with Tony Khan, like they have to get licensed for stuff. Because before, when it was on Honor Club, they couldn't have any music on. You and know, they still kind of, don't. Yeah, so, so I don't I don't imagine that it's that because the music's already cut out and it's kind of butchered. Honestly, they just mute the entire audio feed for the duration of of the entrance music. Which I remember the first time I was going back to watch stuff on on old Honor Club, and I'm like, I'm futzing with my mute button. I'm like, what is going on? Blah blah blah. I'm like, you know, I'm going to another match, and and, and I, yeah. And then finally, I well, was just farting around and finally, oh, it's the entrance music. Uh, so. And I feel, and I feel like a decent audio engineer because WWE has done it. It's not the most artful thing in the world, but I've seen them do it where they've replaced yeah. uh, music on on prior uh, DVD releases and things. Yeah, like well, I, I, I'm, I'm like I'm almost certain that there's like a, a network, the WWE network version of some of the old WCW pay per views had like break the walls down for Chris Jericho's entrance music, which he clearly did not have in WCW in the late nineties. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, but, any, yeah, anything ECW, the the music edits on those are hilarious, especially like New Jack and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like ah, it's not the song that was playing. I was there. I don't know. So, nope. 
So it, right. to me, it says that the, the, te the tech exists and the capacity exists to replace those with either royalty free stuff or stuff that you own or, you know, or to just mute that and maintain. Although, to be fair, the only thing that's jarring about it is that it mutes the crowd, too. For the yeah. most part, in the early in the early DVD releases, commentary didn't come in until after the music stopped uh, and as they were following the Code of Honor. Oh, nice. Okay. Was usually when commentary would pop in. So it's not like you're you're missing commentary, but it's just you're you're missing the crowd reaction and the the banging on the guardrails that was so uh, indicative of early Ring of Honor. Yeah, because that th those little guardrails that you saw Punk and Joe hurl each other into over and over, they were thin rolled steel just laid out. They would reverberate like mad when you banged on them, and the fr entire front row is just banging away on these guardrails in tune with the music, and it's just, it was an experience, man. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate. I got to do that once. I was front row at a a 2019. Uh, Ring of Honor house show in Milwaukee, um, but by you know by the time I was at the final final battle, you know they had gone to those you know um, sandfield barricades, so it wasn't the same. So no, yeah, so it wasn't, and it's you know it's it's what it is. It's I'm I'm sure the performers are probably appreciative because those metal things just got bent all out of shape. Uh, when you would go to those shows, you would just see electrical tape and gaffers tape all around them covering sharp edges and yeah. they just get bent all to hell. And so I'm, I'm sure the performers were not sad to see them go. No. Yeah. I talked to a couple people and just that they've worked ring crew for ring of honor. And they said, yeah, that's, that was, those barricades were a pain in the ass to set up, which like you said, it was all, you know, just, it was literally duct tape and bubble gum stuck together. So. Yeah, and and basically zip tied to or or what have you to the to the standard crowd control barricades. Yeah, well, you think? Yeah, well, I'm not gonna rip on Tony Khan any more than I already do. So, um, I do miss the old barricades. So, because they don't have those in the new Ring of Honor, right? It's, it's the still the no, yeah, the still sand filled. It, no, it, honestly, in the last couple of them that I've seen, um, it almost looks like fencing again. Oh, okay. I'd have to go back to it, but it's like, it's like a different material. I'm mean, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I wouldn't think it would be hard to do something like that. I'd I'd love to see a little bit more invested in the branding to, and this is this is something that it's just on my personal wish list. I'm not sure how much anybody else cares. I would like to see more effort made to make ROH look different than yeah. AEW. Whether it's whether it's the whether it's the, whether it's the differentiation in the guardrails, whether it's different color mats, whether it's a simpler stage, whether it's I mean, and the the pro and the problem is if you're touring with Collision, you're not going to have the option of a simple stage. The stage is going to be what it's going to be, right? Whether you like it or not. And by the end, Ring of Honor did have you know the the Carrytron. Yeah. Which, which God bless them, they named it after Kerry Silken because, again, synonymous with Ring of Honor. Uh, but you know, so you you had something to that effect, but it still they they found a way to still have that big screen, but still look small, I guess, mm -hmm. and not necessarily not in a derogatory sense, just in a 
it still looked intimate, I guess right. is the way I'd put it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and, so. it, and it doesn't do that. It, it's it's a big stadium now, which is uh, which I guess as a fan of Ring of Honor for years and years and years, that's what we wanted. We wanted Ring of Honor to be big. We wanted it to be, you know, nationwide, and we're kind of getting that. So in that sense, I guess we should be happy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this could know. this could this could turn into a whole a whole fetching right. session about Ring of Honor, and I don't want to do that because I do love the promotion just like you do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, Kyle, this is awesome. I and listen, I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I, I can't thank you enough for. I mean, this has literally been well over a year in the works. Um, so I appreciate their you know holding you know sticking with me. So I knew we'd do it eventually. I promised you we would. So, of course, the time is oh, no, horrible, I... but you know. Hey, you know what? I appreciate it. I know it's been a year in the making. I hope I lived up to expectations. Oh yeah, well, one, one, <laughs> and way more. So um, this is this is this is definitely not our last collaboration, uh, for sure. Uh, we will definitely get you back on. I mean, we do. Uh, we've been doing a lot of bonus watch-alongs in general, so um, we'll definitely get you back on. And then, listen, yeah, once the trilogy's wrapped up, I'd like to get you back on for a full review of all three of them. Um, no, that'd be fantastic. I'd I'd be looking forward to it. You know how to find me. I I definitely do so. Uh, but Kyle, before we pull a train into the proverbial station, as the kids like to say, uh, is there anything else you did, um, didn't get a chance to put over that you want to, or or if you want to put over again? I mean, this is a this is a show about putting people over, you know. I so pre- appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, no, just follow me on Twitter at uh, at Kyle K Sparks. Uh, usually, everything that I'm doing is going to be announced there. Uh, I, I'm often live tweeting or close to live tweeting uh, AEW uh, raw or, or WWE products when I'm watching them. Uh, I don't get to watch impact as much, uh, but uh, especially not now with the uh, ring of honor, yeah. but uh, anything I'm doing, I'm doing there uh, Thursday nights at 10 o'clock. I'm hosting the uh, ROH reacts on uh, love wrestling with Robert D Felice and eventually with Kylie Fuller as well. Looking forward to that. And um I got a few other irons in the fire. We're hoping that something's going to come of those pretty soon, and we'll awesome. uh, we'll see where it goes. Cool. And let's see. Yeah, I will Twitter. I'll get the rest. Yeah, I will. Uh, I d- definitely put the link. And I listen. I um, said during the episode, I was uh, reading along with your wrestling article, which was great. So I'll put the link for that also. Um, so that's a great awesome. read. So, but Kyle, thank you so much, my friend. Like I said, this is uh, this is just the beginning of a beautiful collaboration. I hope. Uh, but yeah, we will talk soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks again. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. This has been a Visionaries Global Media production. Visionaries Global Media. Envisioning excellence on a global scale.